the Lax Factor Podcast. What is up, College Across fans? You are watching episode 149 of the Lax Factor Podcast. It is Easter Sunday. Good morning. Uh, we have some crappy news to report. I was almost like, do we even want to do a show today after Syracuse got absolutely trounced by Notre Dame yesterday? But alas, we have to do it, so we are going to get right into this. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and go to laxfactor.com, and you can get yourself swag. I'm decked out fully today. Hat, hoodie, we got a t-shirt here, so uh, that's how you can support us, but let's get right into this now. We're going to talk about a bunch of games, uh, Notre Dame, Syracuse, Maryland, and Penn State. We're going to talk about Hobart and Bryant, and uh, a couple of Army, Lehigh, and then we'll go through and just rehash the rest, but first game... I know all you guys are interested to hear my take on this because Notre Dame uh, put the the hurt on Syracuse in the Carrier Dome yesterday. As a diehard Syracuse fan, it is really hard not to go negative here and not to start really pointing fingers and being a jerk about it to a degree because while I was watching the game, and I'm, I'm one of those fans that when I watch a game and my favorite team is losing, I get really upset, especially when it's painful to watch. And this was this was painful to watch because the reality is, this team is solid all around. I'm seeing a lot of people talk about Desco needs to go and the defense sucks and all of that. If you are, if your takeaway from this game was that our defense sucks, you don't really know lacrosse. The defense is doing everything they can to keep the team in these games. They did everything they could, and they played as well as you could expect against Duke, considering the possession disparity. And I'd say the same thing here. Um, this didn't go the way the Duke game did, but there, and there's reasons for that, but as a diehard fan, I wouldn't be being honest, and um, I think I'd lose what little credibility I even have if I wasn't flat out willing to admit that the faceoff unit is killing this team right now. 23 to 9, they lose, meaning they lost 23 of 32 against the two headed monster of Gallagher and Leonard. And make no mistake, Gal Gallagher and Leonard are the two best faceoff guys in the country with TD Erlin and uh, Stathakis from Denver right there with them. And, and we got to see how TD progresses. He didn't play yesterday, apparently, due to a hammy in injury, I think. But so, I mean, Gallagher and Leonard are formidable. But how are you going to win a game against a conference foe that is as good as you are when you lose 23 of 32 of the draws? I think that Duke score is really an anomaly. It was actually incredible and probably a bet Duke's bad that Syracuse was able to climb back and, and stay within a goal of that game. It just speaks to how good this team actually is and can be defensively and offensively. Offensively, they're as good as anybody in the country, hands down. Defensively, they're better than average, and Porter makes them a little bit better than that. So, I mean, this, team, this is a complete team, and the one glaring weakness so far has been the face-off unit, and, and the job that they're doing is not good enough. And it's not the whole – you can't even blame that much on the wings. When you watch this Notre Dame game, they were getting beat badly right on the draws. They're just losing draws outright, giving up fast breaks left and right. Leonard scored a goal in this game. It has been, it has been absolutely painful to watch. Uh, I'm not going to dwell on it more than that. But uh, like I said, every, everybody, every unit on this team is good enough to compete at the highest level. Every unit right now on this team, offensively, defensively, 
Um, you know, there's a there's a short stick D mid that hasn't been playing number well, uh, very well. Number thirty five, he's been a problem, and I, I more and more people are hitting me up, private messaging me about that as well. But the reality is, the face off unit is the one glaring weakness. You can afford to have a short stick D mid get attacked a little bit, and then you end up sending them a little bit more help, and then that person's not a weakness anymore. Um, the you can't fix the face off problem. I mean, you can you, you win more face offs and try to do whatever you can, but. I'm starting to get a feel that this feels a lot like the Syracuse team that lost to Duke in the national championship. What was it? 2009, 2011, whenever the hell that was where offensively, that was one of the most efficient offenses we had ever seen. They could, they could score in transition. They could score quickly. More importantly, they could run the, the clock down and they could possess the ball a great deal and score very efficiently out of their six on six sets. That's what we're dealing with here. The problem is we're not getting possessions. We're losing the possession battle. We didn't clear the ball well overall yesterday either, but, you know, what are we going to do? Now, the kicker is I believe in these guys. I believe in Varello. I believe in Fop. I think they can get their shit together and win. But to pretend, like, they're not starting to get some sideways glances from their teammates. I know this team is together. I know if you asked any one of these guys, hey, you starting to get a little annoyed with your face-off guys? They would tell you, no, we are a team. We lose together. Bullshit. You're starting to look at these guys a little bit sideways and you're starting to think, well, come on, guys, we're all doing our part. You're not doing your part right now and we're not going to be able to. I mean, if they lose faceoffs like this and they don't fix this, they're going to end up losing more games than they win in the ACC. And we end up we like I'm on the team. Uh, Syracuse ends up in the basement of the ACC. Hey, that's still good enough to get them into the tournament. And once you get into the tournament, all bets are off and all that crap. But this is a glaring problem right now for the Cuse. Now, Notre Dame, let me let me stop bashing the Cuse and let's talk about Notre Dame. What did they do well? Biggest thing, they defended uh, Syracuse off ball incredibly well. You could almost make the argument that Cuse's Dodgers just beat the Notre Dame guys so badly and Notre Dame was trying to win those one-on-one battles and they were willing to lose them where they lost them without sending help. But uh, three assisted goals uh, out of the 11 for Syracuse. So Notre Dame did a great job off ball. Dodgers were able to beat them, but the possession disparity being what it was ended up not mattering. But Notre Dame's defense is for real. Notre Dame's face-off unit for real. Entman was good enough in cage. He was he was solid. Uh, Pat Kavanaugh is an absolute animal. Four goals, five helpers off just eight shots, and uh, six of them were on cage, and only two turnovers in the game for the kid. Another great stat for number fifty one was six ground balls on the day. Kid just does everything like a Kavanaugh, like like you would expect a a, a, a tough, small, undersized Notre Dame savage to do. Uh, Cuse had no answer for him, and Notre Dame had such a uh, possession discrepancy, it was easy for kind of that Notre Dame offense to ease in to what they wanted to do, figure out what was going to work, and then just do more of that. You know, hey, that worked, let's do more of that, and they did that all day long, running roughshod over Syracuse, over the, especially over the second and third quarter. One thing that made it worse at the faceoff dot was in that fourth quarter when you're, you're sitting here thinking, hey, this is Cuse time. Now it's time for some Cuse magic. Uh, they, they lost all five, five faceoffs in the fourth quarter, so it, it got worse. So that's all I have to say on that one. I'd like to go into the game more. We could, you know, we could talk about stats, and you know, maybe, I, maybe I owe it to the guys to do that, to kind of go through and especially the Notre Dame guys, because they ended up winning the game. Uh, maybe I do owe it to them to kind of rip through the box score a little bit. But in the end, it was a sad day. If you're a Cuse fan, Notre Dame played a hell of a ball game, just d- deserved to win it, deserved to win it by a margin. Pat Kavanaugh, four and five. Will York, 
scored, I think like three or four or uh, scored like three of his four, like consecutively. I believe I had saw at one point, sadly, normally I always watch these Q's games to the end being that it was Easter. I was barbecuing for my family, not my family, but like a lot of people in my family, extended family. And uh, I ended up not paying attention to the fourth quarter because I was so pissed off. But uh, York goes for four goals. Griffin Westland had an incredible game, four goals. I think he did his damage early in the game, scored like two or three in the first quarter, first half. Uh, Wheaton Jackaboys, one and two for Cuse. Rafus looked good early, especially. Had a couple of really nice dodges and goals. He was 3-0. and Seabold, 2-0. and Seabold had a really nice wraparound from the right. Hiltz, 0-2. Scanlon, 2-0. Just not good enough, guys. Uh, offensively, it's not your problem. I'm just saying Cuse is a... As a whole, that was not good enough, and it made me, it made me sad. I'm not going to lie; it made me a little bit sad. All right, next game to talk about: Penn State, Maryland. Maryland beats Penn State 17-10. Big day for Jared Bernhardt. Kid goes for five goals and three assists in the game, continuing his path to be named a Twarton finalist. But just as uh, big for number one, he became Maryland's all-time leading score, uh, leading goal scorer. Uh, now he has 159 goals on his career, surpassing uh, bleh, surpassing Matt Rambo, who had 155 before him. That was the previous mark. So Bernhardt is in quality company. And the best part, there's no asterisk here. A lot of the guys that end up getting an extra year, uh, I know Pennell at one point, you know, there's an asterisk by their name because he got a fifth year. And I know the Duke guys, asterisk is by their names because they got fifth years. He was going to break this record with or without that COVID season. You could say, oh, yeah, he got X amount of games in that COVID-shortened season to contribute. But even without that, through the rest of this year, he would have beat it. If you took those stats away, by the end of this year, he has that that goal-scoring mark. So hell of a job for number one uh, for Maryland. He's uh, in good company here, and he is one of the, just one of the best players in the country. He absolutely will be a Tewartan finalist and could be the winner if Maryland's able to win the national championship. Not, not much to report in this game overall. Uh, Maryland's face-off crew, they held their own against Arsarian Company. They lost 58% of the draws to the Nittany Lions, but hung tough enough to keep possessions fairly equal, unlike, unlike Syracuse did. Logan McNaney, he won the goalie battle by a lot over Kobe Kniece. He made 13 saves on the day to Kniece's eight. But, you know, I mean, Kniece, very capable goalie. He is not getting a whole hell of a lot of help from his defense. So he doesn't deserve to eat that blame alone by any means. But alas, you're a goalie, just like a quarterback. You live and die by your quarterback in the NFL. In lacrosse, oftentimes you live and die by your goalie, and goalies end up eating a lot of blame. Uh, so the takeaway, Maryland is really good at lacrosse. And they're still playing tough, 100% deserving of their number three ranking. You see a lot of people, a lot of people are now going to chirp Syracuse, too. They're going to be like, oh, Cuse is overrated. It's like, listen, people, Cuse is still going to put the hurt on your team, most likely. Um, Cuse, what, what's probably going to happen here with the rankings? Maryland hangs at three. Duke, North Carolina, they're going to, uh, Duke is one. North Carolina is two. Um, uh, Maryland, I think, is three. You could even see Maryland take two and North Carolina take three. That's potentially that that could potentially happen. I I think you see Notre Dame jump up to like five. You see Cuse jump down to like seven. I don't know what that does to UVA, um, but just because Cuse is losing to other top ten teams, I mean that does not mean they're overrated. Uh, if I'm a Cuse fan and I'm a diehard Cuse fan, but I'm also very realistic about how good this team is, and let's not pretend that Cuse couldn't just come out and beat North Carolina 
when they face them. And then everyone's like, oh, I mean, I think that's what you're going to see in the ACC. I mean, Cuse put the hurt on Virginia. I wouldn't be surprised to see Virginia beat Syracuse when they play again. Uh, Notre Dame put the hurt on Syracuse. They, Syracuse gets to play them again at Notre Dame. I would not be surprised to see the flip get or the script get flipped and to see them beat them. No such things going on in the Big Ten. Maryland is going to go undefeated in the Big Ten. Uh, I believe there is a Big Ten tournament. Maryland will win the Big Ten tournament, and they will have a completely undefeated regular season because of that week schedule. I mean, you, you know, Penn State's not very good. Rutgers is a quality team, but apparently not nearly as good as Maryland. And because none of these teams are playing non-conference games, we're not going to have any idea how they stack up against the rest of the country, except I know for a fact that Maryland stacks up very well in the end. And I think that they are, they should be the number two, the number three team based on what we see and how they play, even though they're playing, you know, playing down a little bit here in terms of the quality of the competition they have to face this year. Army and Lehigh, man, holy cow, coming into this game, in yesterday's uh, uh, live stream, I was cautioning that Mike Sisselberger for Lehigh could be the difference maker, and he will be the reason that Lehigh ends up playing a tight game and could even win the game. And sure as shit, he tore it up. Number 99 goes 23 of 27 from the faceoff dot, which made things very difficult for the Black Knights because that is a huge possession disparity to overcome. Uh, despite that crazy stat line, Brendan Nickturn, he still proved to be the best player on the field. He goes for five goals and two assists off 11 shots in that loss. But the Lehigh trio of John Sidorsky, two and four, Cole Kirst. There's another Kirst. I didn't even know there was another Kirst. Uh, four goals and Christian Mule. Is that how you pronounce that? Someone correct me and, and spell that phonetically for me so I don't look like an a-hole on Easter Sunday. Uh, he goes for three and one, uh, mixed with Sesselberger's face-off skills that provided Lehigh the lift they needed to beat the Black Knights by one goal. Cole Kirst scored the game winner uh, off a feed that missed its mark. They actually tried to feed the crease late in the game. It trickles through, and Lehigh's like, <gasps> and then it goes right to Kirst, like one bounces or two bounces to Kirst, who picked it up and just put a bomb in for the eventual game winner, and that was pretty big. And then for anyone who's followed Lehigh, this isn't this isn't a, a surprise outcome. I mean, uh, Lehigh is a quality team. Sisselberger is one of the best faceoff guys in the country. They put together a really good group of offensive lacrosse players. So Lehigh is legit. This is not a weird anomaly. I mean, they they they. I thought they could hang in this game, and they just proved us right, and they could. Hobart. Oh, wait, here, hold on. Let's go back to the box score for that one a little bit, and then let's see what we've got to talk about for these guys because I don't want to screw people over here. Where the hell is this game and its box score? There we go. Because there was a bunch of guys that scored. Uh, da -da 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 -da. All right, so for Lehigh, it was uh, – I, I, I mentioned the guys for Lehigh, and then we just had uh, Scott Cole. He put up two goals. For Army, it was nothing – Beyond Nick Turn, uh, you know Liam Davenport one and one, Nicholas Garfano one and one, Aiden uh, Burns two and zero. Oh. It just wasn't good enough in terms of the goalkeeping in this one. James Spence ten saves, twelve goals against, and then uh, Wyatt Schupler eleven saves, thirteen goals against. So both goalies, both goalies played good. Uh, it ends up just being two really good offensive teams, kind of beating up the goalies a little bit here. But man, Sisselberger was just off the charts. 23 of 27 and 14 ground balls, which means he won more than likely. He won 12 to 14 of those pretty cleanly. So that's just a bonker stat there for those guys. Next game, I want to talk about Hobart and Bryant. Hobart beats Bryant by a goal, 11-10. And now this is one hell of a ball game. 
tied after the first quarter, three up. Bryant held a 7-4 lead at the half. Hobart answered the bell in the third, outscored Bryant 5-2. So we're tied up at nines going, if I did that math right, we're tied up at nines going into the fourth quarter. Then Hobart ends up striking first. Tommy Mott, he had a big game, unassisted goal just a couple of minutes into that final quarter. And then the quarter was pretty quiet overall until we get Bradley uh, Simus. He scores another goal for Hobart with five minutes left in the game. That gives the Statesman a two-goal lead late. And then Bryant managed to score a goal with about 4-10 remaining. Bryant got back to within one, within about a minute and a half of Hobart taking that two-goal lead. And then Hobart needed to kill off a pair of uh, Bryant man-up chances with with a minute left, uh, Bryant had, uh, I don't know if they were two men up or if they had two penalties over the course of that minute that Hobart had to kill, but Hobart ended up killing both of those penalties over the course of the last minute and held on to win this game. The story of the game for Hobart, though, and no wonder they were killing uh, um, man-up chances towards the end, was Kevin Holtby. Kid made 23 saves on the day, absolutely bonkers for the statesman between the pipes. Bryant did manage to win 15 to 24 draws at the faceoff dot. Nathan, and I always have a hard time with his kids, Nathan Lilliberti or Lillibert. We're going to call him Lillibert because that sounds a little bit more butch. Uh, he took all the draws for Bryant, did a great job, 15 to 24. Tommy Mott, he ends up with three goals and a dish for Hobart on the day. Hobart got two goals each from uh, Simus and Ryan Archer. And then, you know, just... Great game. And I, and being a Hobart fan, I was curious how that was going to go because that was the big NEC battle. Hobart already had a loss. I believe it was an in-conference loss. And to win that game now kind of just flips this conference again. And now we've got a, a serious race for who's going to win this conference here. couple of other games to talk about here. We had Richmond taking on Virginia. Uh, and everyone was kind of hoping Richmond was going to hang. They didn't. 18 to 10. Colin Schellenberger continues to kind of say, hey, I may be a redshirt freshman, but I could also be this team's best player. He goes four goals and three helpers. Matt Moore, three and three. Xander Dixon had a good game, one and two. Cormier, two and oh, or three and oh. Garno, two and oh. I mean, they kind of went all the way down the list here for uh, uh, Virginia. Doc Saitken just had an assist, but in the end, who cares? PD LaSala, he ends up with an assist as well. For uh, Richmond scoring, Dalton Young, 3-1. Tyler Schultz, 0-2. Richie Connell, 2-0. Just just couldn't couldn't handle Virginia overall. Face-offs. Petey LaSala had a hell of a day. 19 of 27 from the face-off dot. 12 ground balls, and he had an assist on one of those. So that's a great job. He really murked him. And that, that ends up being the, the margin. You sit here and you say, we know Richmond could be a better team than that. And when you see a score like this, you automatically start looking for the disparity. Where, where did Richmond get smoked that they couldn't hang? And that ends up being where they got smoked. PD LaSala was a huge difference maker and has been. Watch PD LaSala in the rematch between Syracuse and Virginia because Syracuse handled handled LaSala in that, that first game where Syracuse beat Virginia up, but he's been playing tough ball, so worth watching. Goalkeeping, yeah, uh, Rode won, wins the goalie battle. He has nine saves versus eight goals against, whereas uh, Russ Bolt did not play all that tough for Richmond. Russ Bolt, Russ Bolt is a very capable goalie. You know, you just deal with a, a, a possession disparity and Virginia and all the shooters and scorers they have. You're going to you're going to have yourself a crap day from time to time. Nothing you can do about it. Uh, another game that was played and I actually was watching this game and it ended up being a hell of a game here. Uh, it was Rutgers and Ohio State and Rutgers, Ohio State gave Rutgers all they could handle. Rutgers ends up holding it, holding it up. 
uh, 10, 10 to nine win in the end. Adam Charlambides was big three and one for Rutgers. Shane Knobloch, the freshman one and one Ryan Gallagher, one and one Connor curse, two and oh, Kieran Mullins, one and oh Mullins is hobbled a little bit, but the goal he scored was a big kind of uplifting goal for Rutgers because you could tell when he scored, he was pumped. He ran right over to the bench and celebrated on that one. And then the rest of the team kind of rallied around him. Uh, but the story for Ohio State was Jack Myers had a hell of a day, 4-1. and one. Griffin Hughes was 3-0. and oh. uh, Let's see here. What did LeClaire was quiet, just a goal, but it was an important goal late in the game, I believe, LeClaire's was. And in terms of, once again, how does Rutgers beat them? Goalkeeping. Colin Kirst wins the goalie battle. Alec Van de Bovenkamp, a very solid goalkeeper. He goes for 11 saves versus 10 goals against, so he's better than 50%. But Colin Kirst... 15 saves, nine goals against. He even forced a couple of turnovers. There was a couple of times where Ohio State was trying to kind of force the crease and Kirst popped his stick out, snagged balls out of the sky. So that was huge. And then at the faceoff dot, Inacio kind of murked Rutgers. So Rutgers, you know, really had to overcome their own possession disparity because Inacio won 17 of 22 draws. He took all the draws. For what I would say to my kids is how many how many of the draws did Justin Anasio uh, take kids and they would just know to chirp all the draws. Uh, I, I try to teach them well, and uh, yeah, so they win the possession battle. But in the end, uh, Rutgers wins the game thanks to Cursed uh, standing on his head in cage. That's a big deal. Navy Loyola, Navy and Loyola did battle, and in the end here, Loyola wins fourteen to ten. Uh, Loyola's problem has been they're they're as good as they've been playing really well defensively. Uh, they have just not kind of figured out their offensive gelling, and I don't know if it ends up just being based on who they're playing and based on those matchups. It's they just end up struggling as a result. But this game, they did not struggle. Kevin Lindley three and two, uh, Joey Kamish two and two, Olmstead two and one. I want to see Olmstead doing better. I'd like to see Olmstead putting up some more points uh, uh, there. I think what ends up happening is he's kind of their main dodging threat, and he ends up getting quite a bit of attention. That makes things tough for him at times. And then Lindley kind of relies on these other guys a little bit. I, I have noticed he's been dodging a little bit more here and there as well. So Loyola just has to figure out offensive flow. They have a, a lot of talent on that side of the ball, and if they could put it all together in a single game, this is the type of outcome you get because Navy is a legit-ass ball club. Navy drops to 3-1. and one. Loyola improves to 5-3, and three, but Loyola's been a little bit bipolar in here. Uh, Patrick Skelniak uh, for Navy. He goes three and two. Christian Daniel goes three and oh. And then in terms of goalkeeping, we have Sam Schaefer for Loyola had a, had a really solid game. 12 saves in this one. And then the, the Navy goalie there, Spencer Reese, he played well. Uh, 13 saves for him. Faceoff dot. What do we got? Bailey Savio. That's the, the, the story again. You always sit here and you say, hey, Loyola, I kind of expected this to be a one-goal game. Could have gone either way. What ends up being the story behind this 14-10 to 10 score ends up being Loyola's figuring stuff and they're clicking offensively. Why? Because they're getting a, winning a bunch of draws. Bailey Savio wins 19 of 28 on the day for Loyola, and then his their goalkeeper made a couple more saves than the other guy, so that ends up being your margin in that one. Heck of a game, though. Uh, bo both very good teams, both teams that are going to threaten to make the tournament by the end of it, but they got to, they got to make it through their conference. So that's really going to be who wins this conference and understand too. We have a couple more. The Ivy league has been putting two, three teams in the tournament, at least two teams in the tournament every year. We have no Ivy league teams that are eligible. So there is a couple more playoff spots available to some of these conf conferences that traditionally only put one team in the playoffs by the end of the year. 
Um, High Point beat Bellerman as we thought. They beat them uh, 13 to 5. Asher Nolting, eight assists. Not his normal game, but a game nonetheless. So a hell of a job by Asher Nolting. He t- only ended up taking five shots, didn't score any of them, but he used all the attention that he was getting to put up eight assists. And then we have uh, Braden Maia, three and one. Kevin Rogers, the uh, D3 transfer, three and one. I think he was a former D3 player of the year. Um, uh, Hunter Vines, one and one. So they, they did a good job. They did a good job. Let's see what the goalies did in this one. Uh, Higginbottom had a bad day for Bellerman. He only has four saves versus 13 goals against, but Parker Green played well, 12 saves against just five goals. So good job by Parker Green in cage. And then, uh, high point absolutely massacred. Bellerman at the faceoff dot. David Sampier for high point 13 of 16. Colin Hoban four of four. So there is the ball game right there. That's actually you not a good sign for high point that they were able to win that many faceoffs and they still only beat them 13 to 5. I don't like that. That's why I really do think that Richmond is going to end up being the team that wins this conference and they've already won the head to head. And I think that High Point's going to have a hard time even making the tournament here. They've got to be better than that overall offensively. That's been the disappointment for High Point. I think for many, I think a lot of people are thinking, ah, man, we thought High Point was going to be a little bit more high octane of an offense. At times, they have showed that they are, like in the games where they've hung with North Carolina, or at least the first game where they hung with North Carolina. But then there's been times where they have not uh, looked up to up to snuff here. Let's make sure I don't forget anything. UMBC did end up beating Vermont 10-8. to That was a huge battle. I actually thought Vermont would end up winning that game just because I, I didn't think that UMBC would be able to hold them to less goals than what UMBC was going to score. But UMBC played a really tough game, and overall they were just balanced scoring for them. Uh, Brian Trey Tra- – I don't even know how to pronounce that dude's name. Brian Trajoning, Trajoning 3-0. For UMBC, Ryan Frawley one and two, Nick Dupuy two and one. So they got they got some scoring. They filled it out here. And then in terms of goalies, they ended up their goalie wins the battle. Uh, uh, Tommy Ling, uh, Linger for UMBC eleven saves versus the eight goals against. Ryan Cornell for Vermont eleven saves versus ten goals against. You got to stop one or two more shots, and you're in that ball game. Now that we've gone this far down the rabbit hole, Vermont, Tommy Burke for Vermont won the faceoff battle 15 to 22. So that's a hell of a job by UMBC defensively that they were able to uh, win this game despite losing the bulk of the faceoffs. And that, that tells you a lot about UMBC moving forward. Now UMBC, I'd say kind of the driver's seat in the uh, America East here. Stony Brook is four and one in the America East. UMBC is now four and one in the America East and Vermont is four and one in the American East Conference, and um, oddly enough, UMBC they lost to Binghamton, so that's their one loss. UMBC beat Stony Brook. UMBC beat Vermont. Now uh, their their lone loss is to Binghamton, and they've got U Albany next. So that'll that'll be a game to watch for everyone for sure. The America East it's up in the air still. Three teams at four and one. Albany's at three and two. So if Albany can kind of figure their things out post Dehogan Anacoke leaving. Uh, we can have an interesting, interesting battle for that conference. I believe they are having a conference tournament as well, but I could be wrong. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, who else do we want to talk about? Towson and Hostra. Hostra beats Towson by a goal. Ryan Tierney, one and three. He has not put up the Tawarton finalist worthy points in the last couple of games, but hey, they're good enough. They beat Towson. They Hostra improves to five and two. Towson now drops to. 
three and six. And the story, uh, Justin Sykes. Sorry, guys, it's Easter. I had some beer yesterday. Too way too much chocolate yesterday for Easter. Um, so, in terms of their conference, Delaware four and zero in conference play still. UMass three and two, and uh, Hofstra sitting at two and one <coughs> in conference play. So, stuff to watch. What did we have yesterday here in this game? Delaware. Uh, let's go back here. I'm going to go back. We got, we're just going to talk about one more game, and then we're going to get the hell out of here. We're going to put out some more content this week. I have the day off tomorrow, so we'll probably look for an audio podcast tomorrow. I'm trying to keep up. I have all these grand plans, but I'm also as busy as we've ever been from a work standpoint as well. Oh, uh, yeah, I talked about Rutgers and Ohio State. That was a hell of a game here. UMass or Albany beat uh, UMass Lowell, which was expected 17-6. to Graydon Hogg or Hogue. He goes six and one. I, th- I think we should call him the Hog, though. He goes six and one. Hell of a game for him. Uh, Corey Yunker two and three. Maybe Albany figures it out. They've got a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm wondering if just kind of post Nanakoke, if they can maybe find some camaraderie and gel a little bit. Uh, you know, I think you'd always rather have Nanakoke on the team, but in this case here, maybe Albany will kind of you know rally around this whole decision here and a rally around the drama involved, and maybe they can string some wins together. I hope so. Uh, I'm an Albany fan when I'm not watching the Syracuse. All right, it's Easter. I got to get on with my life. So do you guys. So we're going to call that quits. We got a show in, though, on Sunday. Come back Monday. Next week, we'll do all the normal thing. Wednesday's the big show. So come back Wednesday, but be sure to come back and visit and watch to see what we might put out here. Because like I said, I have tomorrow off. So I'll probably put some uh, some content out tomorrow, maybe talking about the uh, Big Ten game today. And there's another one today as well. So as always, go to laxfactor.com. Support us that way if you want to. You can get hoodies, hats, t-shirts, um, we have, like I said, non-lax factor stuff. Is this T-shirt sideways? Oh, yeah, it is. That's not very good. Not a, Oh, now it's upside down. That's how we're going with it, though. But, uh, yeah, you can support us that way. Uh, but, as always, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And Hoost is out. Out. <laughs>